0: Well, we have the privilege again, beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ to gather for a day of prayer, prayer for our nation. There are many aspects of prayer we could consider from the Word of God. There are many themes we could talk about, how God has rescued nations and those who come together to pray, He will hear, He will hear their cries and He will save even nations. But as I considered the idea of prayer, I thought it best to turn this evening to our Lord Jesus Christ himself, who teaches us how to pray. Not only in the words of the Lord's Prayer, which we consider in detail from our teaching in the Catechism and in other ways, but to look in a general way as a global theme of our Lord in his prayer life. So I want to consider this theme of our Lord's prayer life, and I want to read a verse from Hebrews 7 and verse 25, which I'll come back to particularly in our last thought. But here we read in God's Word, Hebrews 7, 25, where it speaks about the preeminence of Christ, his intercession, his high priestly character. Wherefore, he is able also to save them To the uttermost that come unto God by Him, seeing He ever liveth to make intercession for them. And so I want to look at this theme of Jesus, our Lord's prayer life. First, I want to look at the circumstances in which Jesus has prayed as examples also for us. Then I want to look at the conduct of Jesus in his prayers. Third, the content of his prayers. And lastly, the continuation of our Lord's prayer life. As Jesus walked upon earth and you read the Gospels of this history, you will have no doubt taken note that Jesus often was in prayer. He gave his disciples, and they, looking at him, often would have a question within their own hearts that led at times to say, Lord, teach us to pray. Help us to pray. And so tonight, as we consider these things, I trust it will help us to better pray for our nation, our our families, and, and ourselves. Children, as you think of Jesus as a little boy, Yes, he was God, but we often sort of put in Jesus' little boy, time of his life, a knowledge that far surpasses what, in many respects, Jesus experienced as a man. He was a boy that learned his Hebrew alphabet, that learned to pray. If you have younger children at home, no doubt you have Your mom and dad teaching them, okay, close your eyes and they put their hands over their eyes and fold your hands and pray certain words. And you do this repetitively. Well, for the children of Israel, this was also a common practice. They would teach the young people and Jesus likely in that time would have also been taught by Joseph and Mary the Shema, prayer, which typically is found in three Passages in our Old Testament, Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9, Deuteronomy 11, 13 to 21, and Numbers 15, 37 to 41. In Deuteronomy 6, basically the idea of this passage and these words in prayer was to teach the Jewish children and the adults to love God, to learn the the Torah, the law of God the books of Moses, and to pass on this tradition from generation to generation. In Deuteronomy 11, there is a description of the rewards of those who keep God's commandments and then the punishment for those who would not walk in the way of God's commandments. And then in Numbers 15, there are these um, descriptions of the phylacteries and the garments that were to be made. And and the little emblems outside the door that as they walked through, they would brush their fingers over or be reminded of prayer, the need for prayer. These verses also in Numbers reminded the children of Israel of their exodus from Egypt, a reminder that God, their God, had brought them out with a mighty and strong hand. And so many times these prayers would resemble something like this that were said in the morning and evening. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And they would say this with their eyes covered. And uncovering their eyes, they would whisper together. Tradition tells us, Not a verse from the Bible, but a congregational response to the declaration of God's oneness. Blessed is the name of his glorious kingdom for all eternity. And then aloud, the parents and the children would recite together. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might. And these words which I command you this day shall be in your heart and you shall teach them to your children diligently. You shall speak of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise up and you will bind them as a sign on your arm and they shall be for a reminder between your eyes and you shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So this is how Jesus as a boy grew up prayer would have been central to his existence, to his young childhood. And children, for you, I trust that your parents also are teaching you these same things. Teaching you what it means to pray, um, teaching words to pray in prayer. But it's just not words. It's not words we just speak and repeat in recitation. Prayer needs to be our life and so it was for jesus as he enters into his ministry we begin to see more clearly in the gospels of jesus times of prayer we read after his baptism in luke 3 when all the people were baptized it came to pass that jesus also being baptized and praying heaven was opened and god spoke from heaven We learn from this that as Jesus is entering in this public ministry, entering into a very intense time of ministry in his life, he is calling upon God. What a wonderful truth is contained in these words. As Jesus lifted up his eyes to heaven, he is focusing on prayer to his Father. It is communion, it is connection, it is conversation, if you will, with him whom he knew as his father. Our prayers ought to resemble Jesus' prayers. Yes, we understand the prayer of the publican as he is in the back of the temple, his eyes cast down as he's Considering his own guilt and shame. And the Pharisee at the front with his eyes lifted up. These were not a true reflection of their hearts in reality. The publican could have lifted up his eyes and cried to God. And as he went home justified, he would be able, as Jesus teaches us, to say our father as well. And so Jesus here has prayed and heaven is opened. And our prayers too, when we pray in Jesus' name and we ask according to his will, we may with expectation on prayer day understand that our prayers too are issuing forth to heaven. Yes, at times it seems as if the heaven is brass. That's true. But when we pray according to his will, and we pray in Jesus' name, Let's be assured that he does hear, even though he doesn't answer immediately our prayers. Jesus was heard. He's the Son of the living God. And if you are in Christ by faith, you are a child of the King. You are a child of God. And he calls you to pray as Jesus prayed. It's a reminder too, as Jesus entered this important time of significance in his life, that any time we enter into times of significance in our lives, we ought to bathe it with prayer. Prayer. Following this, we know that immediately Jesus was led of the Spirit. At his baptism, he's led of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. And we read, being filled with the Holy Ghost and in the power of the Spirit, after his temptation, he's praying apart in the wilderness. He comes back and enters his public ministry. And children, do you know what's happening during this time of temptation and his entry in to the public ministry? What is taking place? Another very important decision for Jesus. He's going to select 12 individuals who he will set apart as the apostles to accompany him in his ministry on earth. And Jesus bathes this. Decision in prayer. We read in Luke 6. It came to pass after those days, he went out to a mountain to pray and continued all night in prayer to God. And when it was day, he called to him his disciples and he chose 12 and called them apostles. How many of our major decisions in life are bathed in this way In prayer. We need to pray about all things. We are dependent upon God for all things. True. But Jesus gives us the example. There are times and places in our lives when major decisions that are life directing. That we should take time and pause and consider prayer. That's why we're gathered here tonight. Great decisions that are going to be made in the coming days in our land, in our nation, at the Supreme Court, by our elected leaders. We have due cause, as Jesus did, to be earnest in a time of prayer to God. It shows, too, not only Jesus was dependent upon his Father to lead him into correct choices and decisions regarding disciples. But when we pray to God in an earnest way, we are demonstrating to God, we too realize our dependence upon Him for everything, every decision we make. And throughout the Gospels, we read about Jesus' prayer life. He's found often praying alone in the mountains through the night. We read at other times that He arises early. Mark 1, 35, After casting out devils... Not allowing them to speak, he rises up early, we read, a great while before day, and went into a solitary place and there prayed. And Simon and the other disciples followed him morning and evening. Another time we read, he departed into a mountain to pray, Mark 6, and he constrained his disciples to get into a ship and he sent the people away and when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray when even was come. What is this teaching us? Jesus was a man of prayer. Morning and evening, no doubt throughout the day, special intense times of prayer, Jesus was a man of prayer. Often he would do this alone. We read in Luke 6, he withdrew himself to the wilderness to pray. Other times he would take his disciples with them. They would be witnesses of his prayer to such a point that in Luke 9, they would ask him, Lord, teach us to pray as you are praying And what was Jesus doing as he was praying? As you read the Gospels, you realize he was always asking that the will of his Father be done. Jesus was always in his prayer seeking, what is the will of my Father? Lord, help me to do that will completely and fully. These are the essence. This is the the. The nugget, if you will, the kernel of every prayer of our Lord. In John 6, there were people who saw the miracles of Jesus and the breaking of bread. And we read he perceived that the people wanted to make him king and take him by force. And what do we read immediately? His time had not yet come. He didn't want to be declared a king by the people. He wanted his father's will to be done. So what did Jesus do? We read, he departed to a mountain to pray. When you and I are faced with temptations, when we find ourselves, young people, being nearly forced into doing something we know perhaps shouldn't be done or we shouldn't engage in, are we like Jesus? Departing and praying. Seek God's face. Call upon his name for wisdom and strength and the way to go forward. One more instance in the circumstances of Jesus' life is when he was transfigured, the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples. We read, he took Peter and Johns and James and went up to a mountain to pray. As he prayed, his countenance was Altered and changed, and his raiment was white and glistening. There is something about Jesus coming up to the mountain and entering into prayer that brought him, as it were, into the very vestibule, into the very court of heaven. So that like Moses, whose face shone, our Lord himself, with brilliance of glory, radiated. From having prayed and been in the presence of his Father. And when we pray, do we understand? Do we grasp to some significance? We are entering into the very court of heaven. We come at the feet of our Father in prayer. And we come in the name of the Son. It's not in the multitude of words we might speak. Someone once said, we begin to pray only when our mouth runs out of words. When our hearts are poured out to God in prayer. Christ prayed for those around him. He prayed for his disciples. We read in John 17 as well. Jesus is often praying. He's praying individually. If Peter and his faith will not, he's praying for the disciples as a whole. He's praying for the world, those who would hear the words of the disciples. But what was Jesus' conduct in his prayer? What I mean by this is what is the manner of Jesus' prayer when we find him praying? Well, we have already heard that he's often in the wilderness alone. He's, he's by himself. He's taking the time to reflect, to meditate, to call upon God. Yes, there's a place to come into our bedrooms, at our bed, in private and alone alone. But that also doesn't mean it's the only place we can come to prayer. It can be riding down the road. It can be standing at the kitchen sink. It can be as we're pausing a moment in our schoolwork. It can be while we're taking a walk or a jog. Always we ought to have this attitude of heart as Jesus had. Jesus' prayer also was accompanied with with fasting. You remember, children, when Jesus was with some of the disciples and he comes back and they had been confronted with this boy who was possessed and they had tried to cast out the demons and could not. You remember what Jesus said, this kind comes not forth or cast out except through prayer and fasting. As we come to a day of prayer for our nation, do we imagine that fasting is something for an Old Testament tradition? Or or do we recognize that fasting is also a part of our New Testament means that's given to us to help us focus, to direct our minds and our hearts more intently upon the things for which we pray? Are we praying in our prayers? Are they from our hearts? Are they a cry out to God for help? Our Lord told us us and wants us to understand the kingdom of heaven is taken by violence and the violent take it by force. This is how he wants us to pray. Are we praying this way? that we storm the throne of God in heaven. Lord, come down, rend the heavens, raise up thy glory, send revival and reformation. As we learn from our Lord's prayer life, it was not a timid prayer life. As he comes with his disciples into the garden of Gethsemane, we read he leaves his disciples behind and says, watch and pray. And he goes into the center of the garden. And he says, my soul is exceeding sorrowful even unto death. And we read he bows himself. He comes on his knees and bows his head to the earth as he's pressed down by the weight that lays upon him. The sin of prayerless people. His sweat becomes as drops of blood in this manner he prays. You ever been there like Jesus? Weighed down with the burden of your own sin and your own guilt and your own shame, and you come alone before God whether in your heart or in reality, on your knees, and your face bowed to the ground, and you cry out to God. He hears your prayer. When we read of this account in Mark 14, in verse 36... We even learn something more about the prayers of Jesus as he's burdened and weighed down and pressed. Which there may be sinners here tonight who are in like manner pressed and weighed down. But in these words of Jesus, we find how he prays. He prays himself on his own merits and his own rights to his Father That the Father's will would be done. He comes with boldness and submission and intimacy. Listen to his words. Abba, Father, all things are possible to Thee. What confidence in those words. If we have come to know the Son, if we have come to be joined in union with Christ by faith, by the work of the Holy Spirit in our hearts we may come in like manner. Abba, Father, all things are possible to Thee. There's an intimacy here in Jesus' prayer that He wants to teach His people how to pray. What a confession here of our Lord Himself, of His Father and His greatness and His glory and His beauty and His suitability. All things are possible to Thee. And notice his humble, the son's humble submission. If it's possible, take this cup from me, yet not mine, but thy will be done. Have you ever come to a place like that? God has laid upon you some measure of sorrow, conviction, pain, suffering difficulty, and as you're pressed down, as you come on your face in prayer to him, and you're able, through the Spirit of Christ, to pray, Abba, Father, not my will, but thine be done. Help me through this trial. Help me through this circumstance to not lose sight of thee, to not lose confidence in thee to not have my eyes on my circumstance but on thee let me follow in the footsteps of the master not my will but thine be done we may want a great turning in our nation a great turning of row versus weight whether that happens or not we'll wait and see but whatever happens all those who belong To him, can with the utmost confidence come before him and pray, Not our will, but thine be done. But perhaps even more instructive than the times and circumstances of Jesus' prayer is the content of his prayer. We have seen from Christ's prayer in Gethsemane, one of the crowning marks of our Lord's prayer was this submission to God's will that our wills too will be brought in line to God's. This is the real test of a believer as he prays, as he has burdens and weights laid on him and as he prays for things in his life difficult for the flesh, but he prays to God, not my will, but thine be done. But Jesus also prayed earnestly that his, king, his Father's kingdom... Would come as well. And what does this mean for the people of God? Not only that the kingdom of God would be seen and evident and break forth throughout the earth and the drawing in of sinners into that kingdom, but Jesus wants his disciples to know and to understand and to grasp when they see this kingdom come, they ought to be filled with joy. I say that because in Luke 10, after Jesus had sent out his 70 to preach in the cities and town, do you remember what they did when they came back? You read, they came back with joy. Lord, even the devils are subject to us through thy name. And Jesus does not take away from their joy of the outward advances of his kingdom. But what does he say instead? Rejoice, not that the devils are subject to you, but that your names are written in heaven. Jesus wants his people, through prayer, to rejoice in the reality that they belong to him and their names are written in heaven. We read then, at that moment, in that hour, when these disciples had come back, Jesus himself rejoiced in spirit and said, in other words, he prayed, I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. Thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and hast revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight. As you see God's kingdom advance, as you see young people and men and women coming into the kingdom of God, rejoice! Pray with joy. Here we have Christ who is rejoicing and in prayer giving thanks to God. We read in Matthew 11. It was at this very time Christ rejoiced and prayed that he gave these very well-known comforting words. Come to me all you who are laboring and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly of heart and you shall find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus rejoices and he preaches his sufficiency for burdened souls. That's the message also this evening. If you're burdened and weighed down, he is saying to you, I have prayed for you. Now you pray to my Father in heaven and rejoice. You know, there's one sermon in particular that Jesus has had recorded by the Holy Spirit in the Gospels, the Sermon on the Mount. But there's one lengthy prayer that has been recorded for us of Jesus as well. And that's partly in the prayer that we read in John 17. We read, lifting up his eyes to heaven, this manner in which he prayed. And then we have this most blessed content of the prayer. And as we read that prayer, what you find again is Jesus' heart was fixed. It was Lifted up to heaven, and his heart was fixed on his God, on his Father, and his Father's will, his Father's wish, his Father's glory. And what does Jesus pray in that prayer? I pray for these disciples whom thou hast given me out of the world, that they would be one with me, even as you, Father, and I are one. And I am praying that all those who will follow after them, who will hear the words that I will send them to bring as they are gathered in, that they would recognize and know this oneness that we have together. And Christ prays in that high priestly prayer that their joy would be fulfilled in them. Now, part of Jesus' prayer is certainly fulfilled among us. The word that the disciples have been commissioned to bring and sent to others have been communicated through the ages. The prayers of our Lord have been answered till this day. But He's prayed that you would have joy. Are we, as those who confess His name, Seeing that Jesus, even now, is praying that our joy would know fullness. That our joy would, in a sense, be more complete. Because as we face an uncertain future, we know that the world will hate us. Jesus prayed that. And even as we will come to experience that more and more, will we still, nevertheless, have joy in our hearts because Jesus has prayed for us. He prayed, Father, don't take them out of this world. But as they live in this world, keep them from the evil one. And the idea of Jesus in his prayer must be certainly, as they are kept in this world, as they face suffering, conform them to me. Make them like me. Me, We could say, give them to pray like I pray. How this prayer of Jesus ought to be an instruction for us on prayer. Jesus' prayer is for all those who would be given to him that he would be able in time to take them to himself where he is and that they would behold his glory. This prayer of Jesus is yet being fulfilled even today. And this intimacy that Jesus has with his father, do you imagine that he wants his children not to know that intimacy that they could and should have with their father, his father? What is he doing in this prayer? He's saying, I have continually spoken about thy name, Father, to them. I have declared thy name. He wants his children to know we may come as Jesus came. Abba, Father. And Jesus in this prayer has also communicated his love. The love that we have, Father, between Thyself and me, let this love fill the hearts of my people. Another prayer of Jesus in his content is when he came to the tomb later in his ministry, near the final days, he's coming to the tomb where Lazarus, his friend, lie. And he said to Martha, if you would want to see the glory of God, you need to believe. And when they'd taken away the stones of the grave, we read, Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank Thee that Thou hast heard me, and I knew that Thou dost always hear me. But because of the people which stand by, I said that they may believe it that Thou hast sent me. He prays with such confidence to his Father. As a church who are set apart by Christ who has prayed in this world to be light and salt, do we pray with this confidence to God in our families, among our friends, in this world? Or are we ashamed to pray? The last prayer I want to bring to you of the content of Jesus' prayer is as he's walking the road to the cross. And children, you know what he's prayed. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And it's in the Greek over and over. Father, Father, forgive them. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Who has sinned against you? Have you forgiven them? Is our prayer to our enemies, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Or do we have bitterness and anger and enmity in our hearts? Dear friends, everything we have that we need for prayer is found and given to us in Him who we are considering tonight. And the last thought I want to leave with you is, as we consider this prayer life of Jesus, is centered around this text in Hebrews 7. Hebrews 5, 7 tells us, "...in the days of His flesh... Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears to him that was able to save him from death and was heard in that he feared. Now, one of one of the things we could be tempted to think is that Jesus while he walked on earth, while he before his Uh, crucifixion and death, was often in prayer, but seemingly after his resurrection, he doesn't need to pray. He, He doesn't no longer pray or intercede. Well, Hebrews 7, 5 tells us, wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives, to make intercession for them. Jesus is alive. That's what we remember in resurrection. Soon we're going to remember he's ascended into heaven. He's alive. He is on the throne of his father and he's interceding there. He is the great high priest who is ever interceding. And isn't this the heart of the gospel message as well? We don't have to do with a dead savior and a dead mediator, but one who is ever alive, who is ever interceding for his people, for his church. There is no one who can come against his people and his church and prevail. No one. John tells us that when we sin... We have an advocate with the Father, even Jesus Christ, the righteous. When you and I sin, John says, you have an advocate with the Father now. Jesus Christ, the righteous. And this prayer life of Jesus continues to this present moment. And the children of God learned that without these prayers of Christ, this praying and thanking high priest, we wouldn't have come to know him. We wouldn't have sought after him. We wouldn't be able to persevere in the life of following him. We hold fast according to his command because he holds us fast and ever lives to make intercession for us. And so the writer to the Hebrew says, Let us hold fast our profession, seeing then that we have a great high priest is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God. Let us hold fast our profession, for we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is ever living before the face of his Father. Ever interceding in the behalf of sinners, of his people. He is presenting, as it were, continually, the odor of his own work, of his own righteousness that will prevail. Nothing shall hinder what he has set to accomplish. He ever lives to make intercession, this verse 25 tells us, for them. Who? The uttermost who come to God. Are you at the uttermost? At times you find yourself, your sin and shame at the uttermost. And tonight the praying and thanking high priest calls you, come. He makes intercession even for you. And why is he able to do this? Because he's making intercession. Why is a sinner able to come into his presence because he's making intercession? Why do we come to repent of our sins and believe in Christ because he's making intercession? Why does the believer continue and persevere to the end and receive a crown of righteousness because of his intercession? Jesus knows. Peter went to prevailed. You would have denied him again and again. And so would you and so would I. But he intercedes. He prays. The great high priest is continuing his intercession. He is not only pleading for those who have yet to come to him. He continues to plead for those who have come to him. And so ultimately then what we learn on prayer day is that prayer is not something we're doing to please God and to bring about His will in this world. It is about us recognizing afresh and anew what He's doing for us. And depending and resting and through prayer, praying according to His will, we, by doing so, will be blessed. We'll call down blessings from heaven upon us and our families and the church and this nation. Hold fast your profession because Christ continues to intercede for you. And what this means, dear friend, if you are even experiencing a dark hour, deep pain, desperation in your life, This is recorded for you. Wherefore, He, the exalted interceding high priest, He is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God through Him. Because He ever lives. Christ, as it were, you can picture it in the court of heaven Standing before his father, pleading the case for his children. You remember that happened in the early New Testament. There is Stephen, a follower of Christ, one who is devoted to Christ. One who is ready to give his life for Christ. And he has spoken in the name of Christ. And they're stoning him. And he's nearly dead. And he's lifting up his eyes. And what does he say? He says, I see Christ standing at the Father's right hand. What's he doing? He's praying. He's interceding. For Stephen, do you need this kind of intercessor? This kind of priest to pray for you in all your need? Whatever your burden, whatever your care, you have nowhere else to turn but him. And so today on prayer day, when you hear of this one who sticks closer than a brother who is continuing to make intercession for transgressors, here's one who will pray for us that will never fail, never disappoint, never forsake. There is no unbelief, no sin too great for which this text applies. He is able to save them to the uttermost. It reminds me of when I was a teenager and we worked on the farm. We baled hay and straw. And we would do this with the neighbors. My dad had the baler and there was these flatbed. You stack up the bales and so on. At the end of the day, this neighbor, who was mostly illiterate, he couldn't hardly read or write, He would say to us, he would take out his checkbook and he would lay it on the flatbed table and he would say, you know, uh, how many hours did you work today? Okay, he said, he'd tell us. Make out the check for like $50. We would write it out because we were kids in school. We'd not do that. And then he would come and he would sign his signature. In many respects, what is laid before us in this passage what we've heard of Christ is we're to come to him with his unsearchable riches, praying according to his will, laying it before the feet of Christ. And he gives, as it were, his authoritative signature of the interceding high priest. As we go forward from this day of prayer, May this continual intercession of Christ in heaven become something ever more precious to us. Jesus has prayed, I pray that they who are in me by faith would know that oneness they have more and more. If we are in Christ, we're not only seated here tonight, we are already seated with him there. As that truth dawns on us more, how we ought with greater joy and confidence to come to the throne of our Father through our interceding high priest, Knowing it is a throne of grace and mercy, that Jesus ever lives. And in doing so, our lives will be transformed. In recognition of this truth, it means we can no longer toy with and live in sin, but we begin to see more and more its grotesque nature. And it's vile loathsomeness. And where hearts are turned to see the glorious beauty and suitability and preciousness of him who ever lives to make intercession. This same Jesus of whom we've been looking at throughout his earthly ministry now as the living Lord of glory ever lives and makes intercession. We read in uh, Revelation 8 that the incense of the great high priest is mingled, as it were, with our poor petitions and they ascend before the throne of God as a sweet-smelling savor. Dear friend, though everything condemn you and you are a great and guilty sinner, this passage of Hebrews 7.25 is his invitation to you. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come to God by him, seeing he ever lives to make intercession for them. Then as we read in the poem, he is able... He is willing, doubt no more. Come ye thirsty, come and welcome. God's free bounty glorify. True belief and true repentance, every grace that brings us nigh. Without money, come to Jesus Christ and buy. Let's pray. Our great God, sovereign King, ever. Living high priest. We come in these moments recognizing how little we value, appreciate, understand, believe the truths we have heard. Because joy does not fill our heart as it ought. Even calling upon Thee as our Father at times is difficult. Yet may we do so increasingly that we may bear witness to this present world that Thou art our King, our God, our glory, our hope, our life. So bless us as a nation, as we contemplate these things and as we pray. Remember the Supreme Court justices as well as they, some are being threatened, And, and do give, Lord, that our elected officials too, would recognize that without this one who saves to the uttermost, we have all men, our most miserable. And so send revival and reformation, we pray. Pardon our sin. In Jesus' name, amen.